Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're here today continuing our expectation series. We've been having a lot of fun with these taking two players and talking through what our expectations are with various analysts around the Baltimore area. We have a really good one in today in Voss from Baltimore Beatdown. Voss, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Ken. Thank you for inviting me. Looking forward to the season. Never a dull moment, even in June with these Ravens, it seems. Yeah, lots of uh, lots of fun, lots to talk about. You know, Lamar Jackson uh, uh, still not shown up. We're, we're, we're recording this on June 9th. Some of these we ought to timestamp because there literally could be some injury issues that happen before this gets aired. But uh, this is our views as of uh, June 9th on, on the players we're going to talk about today. Today, we're talking about two players, and normally we've gone with disparate players in this, but Voss got in early in this uh, situation. He picked two cornerbacks, Jalen Armour Davis, who's primarily an outside cornerback, and Demarion Williams, who's exclusively, in my opinion, a slot cornerback. Uh, not really directly competing, so we went ahead and, and, and left it as is. But uh, Voss, great to have you here today. Uh, let's talk about these guys. Let's start with Armour Davis. Jalen Armour Davis, fourth-round pick out of Alabama, um, a player that I thought the Ravens received very good value where they selected him. Um, really a prototypical boundary corner, height, weight, speed athlete uh, with that Alabama pedigree. Yeah, he, uh, he definitely has a lot of things to tell you he's on the outside. A 439.40, so he's got the good long speed at 6'1", 194. He looks like he has the size to press. 
Very average length for the position at 31 inches. It's not everything, but hey, arm length is a consideration at corner two. Um, what's really tells he's going to stay on the outside, though, to me is the 726 three cone, which is really unimpressive for a for an outside for a cornerback at all, but uh, really would be terrible for a slot corner. Yes, uh, not agility is not that his uh, his strength. I do think is he is a um, pretty good at contesting at the catch point, although he may not have the longest wingspan or arms. Also, notably, he was only a one year starter. He was uh, buried behind Patrick Sertain, the uh, the now Broncos uh, ascending corner who they selected very early in the previous draft. The The reason he may have slipped um, a little bit more than maybe his traits suggest is he has had an issue staying healthy. Mm-hmm. He uh, missed parts of his senior season in high school with a knee injury, which also required surgery. He missed his entire true freshman season at Alabama. He also suffered a hip injury last season, which was his junior year, which uh, kept him out for four games, including the playoff run and the national championship game. Yeah, that was uh, that was a major loss. And it was his first real playing time was this last year in his in this junior year, which is a uh, uh, I don't know if they call it a redshirt junior year anymore because he he missed the season, uh, missed that uh, first season, but it, probably you would. He's not a young guy. He'll be 23 in September. So, you know, it is one of the concerns about him that, that I've heard often expressed is that he may have already reached his peak, whereas if you take a 21-year-old corner or a guy who's, you know, either just 21 or he might even be 20 after a, after a three-year non-redshirt college career, uh, you might you might have somebody who's who's more special and has more upside. Yeah, certainly that's true. Although you know, with limited playing experience, he may be able to improve his technique to some extent. Of course, Alabama they play a variety of different techniques. Um, Nick Saban obviously is a defensive back guru. That's where he he made his uh, his way up the ladder to to the pinnacle there. Um, he, he has received some comparisons to Anthony Averett, yeah. which I think is probably uh, a reasonable comparison in some ex- uh, regard. He, Armour Davis, was a blue-chip prospect coming out of high school, the number two player in Alabama, behind only Justin Ross, the receiver that played for Clemson and, and latched on with KC. Um what impresses me the most is um, his recovery speed and click and close ability uh, when playing press man. I think that's probably where he's going to uh, be able to transition the fastest to the pro game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, a comparison Averett is certainly a positive one for Ravens fans. And and one of the nice things about Averett's career is something I want to see from Armour Davis, although it may be difficult is that he gets an increasing snap count basically every year. And, and Averett played 65 snaps as a rookie, and that's as I, I count them, doesn't include penalties. It's a little different. Bumped up to about 200 in his second year. And then, of course, uh, you know, last year in his fourth year, he was, he was having significant playing time. The Ravens were really relying on him. That's kind of like a minimum developmental arc I'd want for Armour Davis. Some people would have him uh, jumping in as the uh, slot corner to replace Peters next year which would be a, not an unreasonable goal perhaps in terms of of what it, but it's it's a uh, it's the high end of the uh, high end of reasonable as far as uh, you know how that might play out. It's very interesting to see how the playing time is going to be divvied up at cornerbacks uh, particular. 
Um, obviously, the Ravens lost Jamie Smith, Anthony Everett, and Tavon Young. So three, uh, you know, heavy contributors from last year. They brought in a, a group of players. When you initially asked me to name a couple players, I identified the two rookie corners as well as the two second-year corners, Darius Washington and Brandon Stevens, because that was before they had signed Fuller. So uh, I was very intrigued and kind of interested to see who will take on what role, and that still remains to be seen at this point. Yeah, I, it's uh, it is very much up in the air, and and uh, there's a lot of competition there. A lot of players who don't know exactly what role they have. Brandon Stevens is in an odd position of being a man without a position right now, and they'll find him one. I I, I think outside corner probably makes the most sense for his skill set and for who the Ravens have at safety. But uh, it's you know it's an interesting situation for him. I hope he doesn't continue to bounce back and forth. Uh, I don't have that fear at all for Armour Davis. You know, he's an outside corner, pure and simple. That's what he'll be in the NFL. But with Stevens, it's a, it's a real question whether he, he might be moving from safety to outside corner and even slot corner is a, is a possibility for him. Absolutely agree with Stevens. Uh, particularly, I think his skill set does will play best on the outside. Um, he, although he made some plays, especially as a blitzer, Whereas even an overhang linebacker last season, as far as coverage uh, on slot receivers, that was not his forte. He was one mm-hmm. of the worst marks in the league as far as QB uh, rating allowed into his coverage when lined up as a slot. It's interesting because the rules and the roles, I should say, are blurred a little bit in the NFL now where some teams use their one of their biggest receivers in the slot. Uh, it's not all Wes Welker, Julian Edelman types primarily in the slot anymore. Even the Rams, who Jalen Ramsey, some still considered to be the best corner in the league, plays as the slot corner primarily. Um, so I think the Ravens adding this amount of depth and versatility gives them the ability to match up versus a variety of different alignments and different teams that like to do different things. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, uh, it gives it gives them some choices, but it also has has to have them grind through some of these choices. And you know, it's it's these players unfortunately are not Appa cards, or they're not you know Stratomatic cards that you can just put into the positions at the time. I mean, they have to, they have to be developed into those positions. They have to actually you know, have time in camp and have time uh, you know to, to to learn the system in the way they're going to play within the system. So it's a, uh, you know, it's a, a difficult thing, I think. Uh, let's go on with with some goals uh, for Armour Davis in, in terms of this first year. I, I, I want him to be available as either the first or second back, backup outside cornerback in the event of injury. I think he's probably there right now, but Peters is already, you know, we don't know exactly if he's going to be ready for, for the season. It's not even impossible that the Ravens would still cut um, uh, Peters before the season comes up. There's a big cap savings from doing so. I think if they saw outstanding play from their other outside cornerback options, they'd be more incented to do it. And of course, they'd be more incented to do it if they, if they don't really think he's ready to go. Sure. Uh, you know, I personally uh, hope not. I think mm-hmm. Peters brings a lot to the team with his ball hawking ability, which is some of the best in league history. And I think there is enough value there to uh to be able to absorb that cap hit um as far as goals for armor davis i would agree i definitely would like to see him heavily mix in the rotation and i think 
the early reports out of OTAs are he is uh, he is making some plays out on the practice field in shorts and um, and shells. Um, obviously, that could change when the pads come on. But I would certainly like to see him involved. If you can find a corner in the fourth round and develop him and you have him under team control for, for the next four seasons at a very reasonable number, you want that player to develop into a key contributor. Yeah, absolutely. And that that's just part of basic franchise building. You said it very, very tersely, as as you say a lot of things, Voss, and I, I appreciate that. But uh, if it's it's gold when you can get a fourth, a fifth, a sixth round pick uh, who not only gives you value on that rookie deal, but gives you value immediately on that rookie deal. It gives you a sense of who he is as a player immediately. And with Armour Davis, it would be one of the goals would be that that you see a guy who you can project to be the 2023 starting outside corner, that it gives you the option to move on from Peters if you need to. And by the way, I love Marcus Peters. Um, he, he'll play, he will be so effective if he can be the old Marcus Peters within this particular defense in terms of, of the uh, possibility of having seven really high quality pass defenders and him playing zone coverage on the back end. I just love what he could produce in this in this uh, system so i'm not trying to get rid of the guy but i always want to have the best available options for both injury and for the next year when you don't have an obvious solution at hand sure sure and if nothing less it uh you know gives the ravens possibly some leverage in negotiations for an extension with peters i i am hopeful that he'll be ready to go non-contact acl should be ready to go in 12 months mm-hmm. um but we don't know. I mean, he has been on the field. He he was around the team down the stretch run last year. He's obviously not practicing yet. I do think his skill set is predicated on instincts and tape study in a lot of ways. So it's, even if he is not quite um, the agile player that he was, um, I think his long speed should return with time and he still should be able to to make some plays, Peters, I'm speaking of. Yeah, he has good instincts, reads the top of the route tree well in terms of not getting juked by receivers as often. Uh, and he just makes very good choices relative to the defense being played on that play. And, and you know, if, for all the things you can talk about, Marcus Peters is, you know, somehow not quite fast enough, gets burned deep, you know, this and that. The things he does for a defense and the fear he strikes into opposing quarterbacks is very significant. It, it really is. I mean, they don't generally want to throw at him. And a deep Marcus Peters on one side almost like puts a area of darkness on that side of the field that, that, that quarterbacks don't like to throw into. So uh, go ahead. Sorry. No, and just, just to add on and to tack onto the point you made earlier, now with two safeties that have range, after going years without maybe even one safety that had range, um, should really play towards the cornerbacks being able to take a little bit more, be a little bit more aggressive and, and try to to snare a few more interceptions, which is an area they really lacked last season in particular. Completely agree. I mean, the, the team um, with their two big moves this offseason, signing Marcus Williams and drafting Hamilton with that first pick, uh, improved their turnover potential immensely. And it won't just be from those two guys. Those two guys having two free safeties is remarkable flexibility in terms of what it gives you. It's it's the plus side of flexibility that we always hear about when teams really have four strong safeties and they're 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 flexible in the sense that they they're forced to move those strong safeties around and they can barely get by as free safeties. But uh, you know, having two guys who really have the instincts to play free safeties and can read the quarterback the way they, that Hamilton and Williams can uh, is is really exceptional, and that should lead to 
opportunities for Peters, opportunities for Peters to trust that he's covered when he gambles. I mean, I just, I love that thought. Absolutely. Humphrey as well. I think Humphrey uh, was the victim of uh, just trying to do too much because he didn't trust who was behind him at times mm-hmm. and, and just being called no man's land without having somebody with reins behind him. And uh, I think it's going to be very, extremely beneficial to have that range back there. I think it's going to transform the entire defense. Very excited to see it. All right. Um, a goal, another goal I have for uh, Armour Davis this year is the Ravens coaches find him a role and a place in the scheme. Now we talked about this in terms of the, the, the you, you can't just have him available to play any one of five positions when, when you have somebody drop out. That might work for a Patrick McCary, who's more experienced at several different positions on the offensive line, say, but it really doesn't work for a rookie player who has all, you know very little experience. It wouldn't have worked for Patrick Queen as a rookie to say, well, we're going to have him fill in outside, inside, wherever we need him as a, as a you know, pass rusher, as a movable chess piece. I mean, with players who still you know, have a lot of football to learn, in particular, they need to find that role that maximizes his skill set. And they need they may need to scheme for it as well, which means when he's in, they may have to they may have to use more press concepts. Um, they may have to uh, they may be hesitant to to play zone the same way or they or they may want to play more uh, either either one. But whatever whatever they deem to be his skill set and the Ravens seem to be very high on him right now from the early reports in OTAs. Uh, th- then they need to find the way to squeeze the most value out of his talent. Completely agree with that. Specialization with rookies, I'm a big fan of that. Allow them to master uh, one thing before you're asking them to do something else. I think the Ravens have made some missteps in the past, um, not doing that with certain players. And Armour Davis is typecast as a outside boundary cornerback, so that should be pretty cut and dry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Tedcast has a connotation like there's some other option and he's not being considered fairly and whatnot. He's he's by physical limitations. He is an outside corner. Yes. So, mm-hmm. uh, I, I want to see from him that he, that he can demonstrate the ability to read NFL wide receivers at the top of the route. It's it's one of the things uh, Averett actually had a little bit of difficulty in this at times last year. If you look back at that Colts game, they had you know they have a hodgepodge of middle of the pack receivers. Nobody really special on that team. And guys like Pascal and um, uh, who's the first round pick that actually looked pretty Pitt- good against him? Pittman. Yeah. Pittman, yeah. Early uh, second. Yeah, early second. Sorry. Uh, you know, they were making him miss at the top of the route. And and with Armour Davis, you know, I want to I want to see the signs that he processes NFL leverage and, and, and you know, what these receivers are trying to accomplish with their moves. Uh, they picks up on the clues well, even as a rookie, and hopefully he can build on that. Uh, but that's that would be one of my developmental goals. Sure. And it's interesting with the Alabama corners, and obviously there's a long line of corners. I think some other um, comparisons pro, or pro comparisons coming into the draft was uh, Drake Kirkpatrick, who was a former first-round pick from the Bengals, another long Alabama corner. Uh, some of them uh, just don't quite have the knack for the ball skills and, as you said, at the top of the route, um, and some do. So it's interesting that a team with that type of track record of producing corners, um, you still kind of have to, um, you know, it's a mixture once they get to the league. Yeah, you think of Alabama's in their their program effectively has about twenty first round draft picks every year in terms of who they get to select from the college ranks because they get whoever from the high school ranks they get whoever they want. Mm-hmm. And in fact, you know, athletes may may occasionally come to them 
with positional requirements to play there. I think that'd be about the only time Nick Saban would turn down a really good athlete is if he said, no, you got to play me at outside corner under these circumstances and whatnot. He might say, eh, you know what? I'll find somebody else. But, uh, but in, in uh, otherwise they get whoever they want. And uh, in a truly non parody driven uh, uh, college uh, game that we have, not this, <laughs> that this should be, it's just, it is what it is. Yeah. Georgia, Ohio state, Alabama, now Texas A&M. Uh, they pretty much get whoever they want out a few years ago. Alabama actually had a top 100 in the country defensive lineman who they, obviously they don't grow on trees. They didn't have room to give him a scholarship, so he actually took a gray shirt season for a top 100 defensive lineman, wow. which I thought was unbelievable because <laughs> yeah. he could have gone to any other Power 5 school in the entire country and gotten a scholarship, but he wanted to – he really wanted to go to Alabama. So, he so a gray year. shirt year means he, he walks on for that year or he – Yeah, he walks yeah. on for the first half of the year, basically the fall semester, and then a scholarship opens up, and then he goes on scholarship for the spring, for spring ball. Huh. I've never heard the term, but that's that's very interesting that that, that would happen. Uh, got one more goal for Armour Davis that's specific is that he presses effectively when called on to do so. It it, it really is kind of his calling card as a bigger corner. Um, you know, hopefully this is something that that the Ravens can uh, make use of in, in in terms of a skill, and that's part of finding him a role that that uh, he'll be really effective at. Sure. For as far as goals. Um... You know, ball production, tracking the ball in the air is something that you want to see out of your young cornerbacks. He uh, he had three interceptions last season, did not allow a touchdown, Armour Davis. But to me, the main primary number one goal is to get through his entire rookie season healthy because mm-hmm. he does have a track record. And as we've seen, when, rook, when players come into the league and they miss development time that first year, it's hard to catch up. And, and sometimes those hurt players stay hurt. So avoiding the injury bug and, and hopefully his, those lower body injuries are in his past, that would be number one goal for me. Yeah, 100%. And it's, you know, honestly, health is like one of the goals for every single player in the series. So I haven't typically been doing it. But in the case of somebody like Armour Davis, who has an injury history, it's really appropriate that he you know, manage himself in a way that that helps him not lose this year developmentally, even if he's not playing snaps. You know, he's 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 got to be able to practice with the team the whole year. And, you know, a player like Dalen Hayes has got to be behind coming into this year just because of what he lost last year. Sure, sure. But the flip side of that is, you know, I think his draft stock was pushed down slightly because of that injury history. So there is some upside there. He probably profiles as a day two selection with a clean bill of health in most drafts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. All right, let's talk about good and great. Do you want to start us off in terms of what's a good season? Uh, sure. So um, I guess two two options or two objectives. I'd like to see him work his way onto special teams coverage units as a gunner. Um, he has a lot of experience doing that in Alabama. He was on all of their coverage units. Um, the second one is to to play a rotational role. The Ravens are, have been a little bit unique where they have in the past with Brandon Carr, Jamie Smith, and Marlon Humphrey rotated their outside corners. Mm-hmm. Um, and every team would would like to do that, I suppose, because the other opposition is is, is rotating wide receivers frequently. Uh, they don't have the play. A lot of teams don't have the play, the personnel to be able to do that. I would like to see him take, even if Humphrey and Peters are healthy, maybe about a 10 or a dozen snaps a game uh, once he's a little bit more comfortable to keep their legs fresh and to uh, to gain experience. Obviously not in the highest of leverage situations, if you can avoid that. But I would like to see him 
up, see some snaps on the field on a, on a per game basis this upcoming season. Yeah, I think that that uh, those are excellent goals, and I didn't put anything about special teams in, but that certainly makes a lot of sense given his size and and what he could contribute. Um, I wanted to have a good camp in preseason. I wanted to practice well, maintain the trust of coaches. I don't think that should be an issue. I haven't heard anything about that. They seem to be glowing early on. Uh, stays healthy to get rookie playing time, avoids losing your developmentally. We already talked about that. Demonstrates he's a better option than Kyle Fuller. That's a big one for me. Kyle Fuller got benched twice last year. He may or may not have anything left in the tank. It's important that Armour Davis, to to my way of thinking, is ahead of him on the depth chart. And he'll get there with good practice, good play in the preseason. He can get there with with some rotational play probably. The Ravens are in a a potentially good situation for getting a young guy playing time because I think they're going to want to try to handle Peters with kid gloves in terms of getting him out of games that are decided early. So if it, there may be some, you know, fourth quarters where he gets to play the whole time because, you know, Marcus Peters isn't uh, they want to keep him as bubble wrapped as they can. And uh, you, know, you don't want to have him out there on the on the field. And then whether or not the opportunity comes to play outside in 2022, I want it to be clear that that he's a viable starting candidate for 2023. So that that would be my good season. It's a lot of a lot of requirements. Well, it's, I think it's reasonable, though. I certainly think that's reasonable. Um, so I guess we'll move on to my great my great uh, option. So I, I actually had Beats out Kyle Fuller for the uh, CB3, or I guess CB4, depending on how you want to categorize it, but the third outside corner. Mm-hmm. Um, Fuller, I like the signing. I like adding proven veteran depth at every position when they can. Uh, $2.5 million contract, though, is not – uh, a sign of a player that is they're married to necessarily. I think they could save about half of that if he actually doesn't make the team this year because that's the base salary. I'm not exactly sure what's guaranteed and what's not, to be honest. Uh, but Fuller did not have a great year last year. He seems to be an every-other-year kind of player, just briefly looking at uh, completion percentage allotted to his coverage and those sort of things. So if you can have your fourth-round rookie uh, come in and take that. That is a boon for the team, short term and long term. Um, a, a great season would also be um, generating a few takeaways. Whether that be mm-hmm. you get your hands on a couple balls and tip them into the air, or you jump a route. You know, maybe two or three interceptions. Nothing crazy, but but uh, those are really an area of focus for me coming into the season uh, for the defense to work on. I also agree with you that if he um, shows his ability. That could allow the Ravens to move on from Marcus Peters. I'm not sure if that would be in the team's best interest, but I think it it would be in, in Armour Davis's best interest if he's a starter going into year two. Um, and lastly, I do want him to, if he can again show that ability, enable Marlon Humphrey to kick inside on occasion. Um, and I know that's a topic that's been debated, and he's mm-hmm. had some of his best seasons on the inside. Uh, his skill set projects hypothetically best to the outside. To me, it's more based on a matchup specific yeah. where you're playing a team with a big slot or you're playing a team that's a very physical downhill running team where Marlon can go inside on those certain occasions to maximize what the defense can do. Yeah, I absolutely agree. First of all, great set of great requirements and all those all those were are ones that I would I would have in there I I, I said it a little differently I uh, camp in preseason forces the Ravens hand in terms of rotational play is one of the things so armor Davis is too good 
for them to just sit him for only relief appearances. So they get some sort of rotational game going with him uh, in, in some way. Uh, and that he takes over the outside cornerback spot if Humphrey is needed inside or if there's an injury, either one. Uh, he plays several hundred snaps, and I didn't, I didn't have a lot of numeric things, but that would kind of be my great year for him would be several hundred snaps, 200 to 500, somewhere in there. Uh, would be absolutely terrific. He'd get that. Gets a trial by fire that has us expecting more and a possible replacement of Peters in, in 2023. And again, it doesn't have to be a replacement of Peters. If it's, if it's, if they decide Humphrey's their slot corner and, you know, Peters and Armour Davis are the outside guys, I'd be okay with that too. They have a lot of talent, obviously to manage um, there, but, uh, but him having, you know, us expecting a starting role for him in 2023 is I think what constitutes a great year primarily. A lot worse things than having three starting caliber outside cornerbacks. That's there for sure. There you go. Well, you know, in 2018, Marlon Humphrey won the team MVP award and he played rotationally. And, you know, you mentioned it earlier in the show, but they, uh, you know, they just found a way to get it done. And and I, I, I kind of even think that could be Hamilton's situation this year, that it wouldn't be a terrible thing to get him off the field. And, you know, maybe he plays 70 percent of snaps instead of 100 and. Clark still has the green dot, although we, we we heard some things from Harbaugh yesterday indicating that the green dot might have to move based on the quality of safeties. I mean, that's that's the first really credible thing I'd heard about the risk of Clark losing the green dot if he's still in Baltimore. Uh, I am on the keep Chuck Clark train. Uh, I have been throughout. I think it's I like dime defense. I like quarter defense. Mm-hmm. I like having a strong communicator when you're breaking in a new defensive coordinator on the field. And I think Clark is underrated in terms of man coverage ability on tight ends as well as an overload blitzer. So uh, and there's very little, if any, savings from moving on for him. I, I'd like to keep him around at least for one more year. Yeah, you'd have to. You'd really have to get something for him to make it worth giving up. And, you know, he's, he should be worth a lot to some other team, but the truth of the matter is, you know, the Ravens are kind of specialized in terms of how they play defense and not every team, you know, wants to bring in a new signal caller. There, there might be one out there, but I, I'm not sure who it is. Uh, so he can't necessarily help you in that way. Uh, and then, you know, if you're using him just as a dime back, you're back to the position, maybe where the Ravens are that they, he might end up being a, a dime back and big nickel for them. And, and if that's if the if two teams are in the same spot, the Ravens are probably going to value Clark more highly because they know what he can do in that role, you know, mm-hmm. personally. Certainly, certainly. So we'll see. I agree. They have to get something back, something pretty appealing to me because this is a team that's ready to contend. I, I want to be in a position to add pieces, not subtract pieces. Right. Once again, we're uh, we're ta- we're having this discussion on June 9th with regard to Clark's future, and by the time this airs, it may well have changed, and uh, that's just the nature of of doing these shows a little bit in advance. Uh, let's move on talk a little bit about Demarion Williams, another fourth-round pick, taking 141 out of Houston. A uh, smaller guy, 5'10", 183, uh, ran a 453-40. Interesting kind of a situation. He only ran once due to an injured hamstring. So you wonder if that affected him on the first run because uh, 453 is darn good. Um, 703 three-cone is not particularly impressive. At uh, slot corner, I don't know the order of drills such that you know one might have affected the other in terms of this injury. Uh, very short arms at 29 and 5 eighths. Uh, that's that's in the exceptionally short range, even for a guy his height. Uh, he's had uh, 33 career games in three seasons. A lot more experience on field 
than Armour Davis, for example. Uh, he's had three ints and uh, 23 pass defense career. Uh, has some limited experience as a kick and punt returner. Uh, I think it's fair to say that uh, his size is going to create some matchup limitations for him. And and I, I don't see any way he can play other than at slot corner. Agree completely. Uh, just top line thoughts. Pepe, as they, they call him, his nickname, Pepe Williams. Um, I was a little bit surprised by the pick. I mm-hmm. thought he was a sixth or seventh round prospect. Interestingly, he was taken 12 spots before Tariq Woolen and 16 spots before Zion McCollum, who are two physical freak, upside, long, fast uh, prospects who were potentially day two uh, players. And I guess the Ravens decided that they really wanted somebody that was specifically a slot guy. Wait, so I assume you guys had some sort of a draft watch party at Beatdown, mm-hmm. right? And and yeah. so as you were doing this, um, were you did did a lot of people have Tariq Woolen projected higher? Because that was true on my show. There was a, a fair number of people were really wanted to see Woolen drafted in the third round. That he would have been a good pick there. And then for the fourth round, there was some, kind of some some building thoughts about him, also about wide receivers, but but a lot about uh, uh, Tariq Woolen in particular. Coach Evans yes. really liked him. Yes, yes, uh, yes. We did a, a live a live show and, and did um, a few things. Um, yeah, I was surprised by that, and then I figured once they took Armor Davis, that maybe they weren't. You know, they had Armor Davis higher. I think so. Quite a few people had Woolen higher than Armor Davis, um, and even some had McCollum. But then again, I mean, the rest of the league was apparently not as high either. So, you know, we'll see how it goes. But I was I was a little bit surprised to take a slot only. A player they actually just released a, a whimsical video uh, on um, you know the team site and something about a band the Nickelback and Williams said oh that's my position Nickelback you know because I think everybody <laughs> understands that's that he's good. a nickel but uh, yeah f- uh, fourth percentile arm length uh, caught my eye um, very undersized it's, look at his spider charts he's pretty much in the tenth percentile for all the size metrics mm-hmm. um, his uh, agility seemed decent, overall agility, according to RAS, with a pretty good change of direction. On tape, he does look pretty fluid, um, but I do think his his recovery speed, makeup speed, uh, could potentially be a problem at the next level. I think it's he's going to have to acclimate to the professional level athletes coming from Houston, which is in the American Conference Group of Five, not, not like uh, – you know, SEC or Big Ten. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's you know, the, the Ravens just drafted a slower safety in Kyle Hamilton, who has remarkable read time and instincts. And at slot corner, that's that's really important. It's at outside corner, you really need the long speed more. You're covering more nine routes there. You you've got more makeup need, um, but instincts critical in the slot. And that's why players like our Darius Washington, uh, who are a little slower, can still be very effective there, uh, even with a with a little bit less speed against some of these guys who are very quick with their whip routes and whatnot. And, um, you know, certainly have have good change of direction characteristics themselves on the offensive side of the ball that they have to cover. So uh, hopefully that's where uh, Demarion really shines. And I also think that the Ravens probably looked at his measurables and said, he looks faster than that on tape, and we think there might have been something up at the, at the combine with the with the 
um, injuries. Actually, I'm not 100% sure if those are combine or pro day numbers, but I think they're combine. Notably, his 10-yard split was 87th percentile. So that was a very good number. So yeah, he does have the quickness, it seems. And I can understand that mentality where you take a, a more of a high ceiling prospect uh, and then later in the draft, you take a guy with a higher floor. I do think uh, Williams is a higher floor type of player, very experienced. He will turn 24 years old next month, so he's a little bit older. He came uh, came from the Juco route, so uh, a very experienced, very seasoned, very tough competitor, just a rugged play style that I think kind of fits the Ravens' defensive culture, the AFC North overall. Right. Uh, I think we both agree he's too small to play safety. Um, that's a that's a position he's occasionally mapped to, kind of like Washington. I, 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 you know, I don't think there's a big danger of it with with both Williams and and uh, Hamilton now, uh, basically ensconced where they are now for the next four or five years, for five years really for both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, that that somebody else is going to take away one of those safety roles, but I didn't think it made sense. I, I Bob Sanders, you know, played as a really undersized safety for years. He got hurt all the time doing it. Uh, it it's just it's not a it's not a um, uh, combination that I particularly like. Is a real small guy playing strong safety. Well, Sanders was short, but he was pretty stocky, if I yeah. recall too. Uh, yeah, I don't want I don't want a hundred and ninety pound player trying to bring down. Nick Chubb uh, after uh, you know downfield. I don't think that's going to be uh, work out too well. Yeah, or not too often. I wanted to do it when it when it comes up, but not to be the norm. Yeah. Um, one of the things that 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 looked good on on tape to me about Demarion Williams is ability to find the ball in the air, and and you see that in terms of the pass defense and the interception numbers. But it's nice to get some confirmation of it. Is that he really looks looks into the backfield, uh, tries to find the football likes to play behind the receiver in some cases um, uh, and, and, you know, where he can't off the line of scrimmage out of the slot. He's uh, uh, he's also been very good. So I, 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 even as a base off coverage guy, I like him from, from that perspective. Uh, he'll get beat by some slants if that's his, his, his way of doing business in the, in the nickel and whatnot, but still, uh, you know, a guy who, who could definitely make plays on the football. The other thing I think is that, if the Ravens do some good things around the line of scrimmage to bat some balls up, uh, they're, they're going to have some good interception opportunities in the middle of the field, and they and they need to start converting those. Marion Williams, another guy who projects to do that quite well, to find the football on the air or on the ground and and turn that into turnovers. Sure, uh, as you said. Uh- 10 press breakups last year, three tackles for loss. On the flip side, unfortunately, he did allow five touchdowns into his coverage last year. But then again, he was playing primarily uh, on the boundary. So I think his strength, I think he is, uh, is a plus attribute for him and run support. He He's not afraid to stick his nose in there, which as a slot corner is pretty valuable. You know, we've seen that from Tavon Young and Marlon Humphrey when he's in the slot. Um, so I think uh, – he has the ability to be a pretty make an impact pretty quickly as a as a high floor type of player and really just master that position, which he does. He's not extremely experienced, but I think his skill set translates pretty well to what they're going to ask him to do from that nickelback spot. Yeah, I, I agree. And and the the Ravens have so valued physical corners over the years. And the 2000 defense had Robert Bailey. I'm watching that season again, and he's flying all over the field. The 2006 defense 
had Corey Ivy, and he was with mm-hmm. the team for several years. In fact, he moved to, to the outside to play some when the Ravens were desperate. Uh, but he was really best and most effective when he was in that nickel role and and uh, a very physical downhill player. So, and Lardarius Webb, of course, didn't get mentioned here, but tremendously physical corner. Not just a great coverage guy as he was early in his career on the outside, but uh, but when he was playing nickel, was was a terrific uh, downhill player. I think they see that in in Demarion Williams, despite the size. Uh, and and uh, Tavon Young, you know, also pretty darn active in terms of of getting to a spot quickly to knock a guy down before he his momentum uh, became an issue. Well, you know, these larger mass players obviously are going to going to turn on Tavon Young and be a problem for him. But the Ravens' the love of of these physical uh, uh, slot corners has, has definitely really shown over the years. Well, I think it makes perfect sense for uh, for what they're trying to do. Um... And just talking to Kyle, my colleague Kyle Barber, who's been out at OTAs and, and reading some of the reports from Jeff Z and some of the others, he's also had some positive reviews, um, early reviews. So it's always a little tough to parse out, you know, is is the defensive line dominating the offensive line? Is that is that good or bad for the team? Because they're both on the same team and the <laughs> wide receiver group is not is not particularly uh, imposing at the moment. But it is good to see him uh, him getting off on the right foot so far. All right, well, let's talk about some goals for for this year. Um, I, I I'll tell you what, to, just to start, I'd like him to compete for the starting slot cornerback role. Uh, he's got he's got two levels of competition here. The first is he's got Ardarius Washington, perhaps Brandon Stevens also, who might be direct competition for that role. Uh, you know, another layer would be that Marlon Humphrey could be moved to the slot if the outside corner. Uh, position is the depth holds up there. I personally don't think there's quite enough depth on the outside to force that move. So we'll see how that turns out. But another another definite, you know, detractor from from snap count is going to be the possibility of big nickel if Clark is still around. Because um, to to get Hamilton on the field for seventy percent of snaps, if Clark has the green dot, means committing to a lot of diamond quarter and non traditional situations. So they're probably going to play. Um, you know, I would think they would threaten the 2019 season, but, but probably over the 2000 season, which goalposts that between about 34.5% and 42% of snaps in diamond quarter. But then that's still not enough to get Hamilton to 70% of snaps. So to, to get that, you'd have to play him as a big nickel a fair amount, him or Clark as, as a big nickel a fair amount. So that will cost the slot corner position snaps. Mm-hmm. Whereas they would normally play about ninety percent, eighty five percent of all snaps, uh, you know, it will cost them snaps this year. I mean, a lot of that's predicated on the offense too, right? If they're mm-hmm. if they're in positive game scripts, then the defense can can uh, go to those personnel groupings that that create so much havoc. Hopefully, they'll be able to. Um, yeah, our Darius Washington. I think it's maybe a one v one competition four snaps there uh, and also cave on Seymour. I wouldn't completely rule him out because he does have some special teams ability. And out of all of the, uh, what did Rex Ryan call them? Uh, DoorDash drivers last year. I forget <laughs> if he said that. I forget if he called them DoorDash or Grubhub. Don't go uh, to DoorDash was... for backup cornerbacks. <laughs> but I think just to, to speaking on that point, I mean, obviously last year they were hit with the injury bug at cornerback tremendously, but they've added so many capable players um i don't think that's going to be an issue knock on wood this year i think that was a very smart decision by DaCosta and the coaching staff to although they lost three to bring in three and also have two two more developing 
Um, it's it's exciting that they have the versatility to be able to match up with anybody, whether they play the Bengals one week and the Browns the next week. Any scheme, any offensive system, any matchup that the opposition can lean on in most games, they're not going to have that ability against the Ravens' defense once once they get healthy. Yeah, I, I'm I'm excited about it too in terms of of what this defense could be. I, I, if there's if there's one area that kind of scares me a little bit, it's pass rush right now, and pass rushing coverage, of course, are 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 linked in more ways than you can try and disconnect. So it's it's silly to even try a lot of the time, but they're going to have to generate some pass rush. They're going to have to compromise the pocket in some ways to make the job of the back end easier, even with a great back end. If they quarterbacks allowed to eat a sandwich in the pocket, uh, make a sandwich in the pocket, sometimes uh, you know are, are are too hard to stop, no matter how great your back seven are. Certainly agree with that. I think that the interior push is going to be much improved over what it has been for years. They have Jones, Pierce, um, and Matabike now, and Campbell. So that's a pretty strong quartet. Um, and also, I don't think it can be understated again, what improving the sa- the coverage capability of the safety is going to do mm-hmm. as far as taking away that quarterback's uh, hot route, outlet valve, which was which plagued the defense far too often over the last few years. Yeah, so so I think what you're talking about is like using robber concepts or rotational yes. concepts where you where you come down to the box and eliminate a route that's an easy route for the quarterback. Yeah, exactly. I love that too. It's a it's a big thing, and I think they have two free safeties with the instincts to do it. I think Clark can also do it. By the way, if if mm-hmm. that's what you asked him to do, but they they certainly have the talent there to do it. And I think more than anything, I look at. The opportunity to get inside linebackers off the field who have been their coverage weakness for the last since Mosley left, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I, I think that's really the biggest thing about this team. LG Fort was was okay. Um, uh, Bynes has been notably better than our other guys both times that he's come in in 2019 and 21, and that should scare the living bejesus out of people because he's not a you know gifted coverage guy in, in his own right. He just has some understanding of passing lanes, and and it shows up right away. As soon as he joins, comes on the field. Whereas, if you have Clark in in a, in a will role, or you have Jefferson in a quarter role replacing the Mike linebacker, I think you see a whole different level of the quality of zone coverage. Absolutely, we're in complete lockstep on that point as far as the inside backers. Uh, I'd almost reclassify Tony Jefferson's position to inside linebacker at this point. If if that makes everybody happy. In terms of of where he is, that's fine. They did that with Levine, and my mm-hmm. my answer to that is, if he's a sub package linebacker, only comes in on these specific passing, uh, you know, downs, then it's still quacking like a duck for me. So mm-hmm. <laughs> you can call it whatever you want. Call him a pineapple if that's his position. But, <laughs> but, but, uh, but yeah, he's a uh, he's a he's a dime back if he's in in that role. I had a, it's funny because Dean Pease was at the podium, and Dean was good as a as a coordinator because he, he would talk more about uh, what was really happening on defense. And he would uh, he would afford himself the ability to be sarcastic occasionally about players or even about questions. Um, Harbaugh's, uh, you know, very much information hoarder and obviously, you know, controls that very tightly. And Marty Morningweg had trouble completing a sentence. So it's, it was hard <laughs> to get a lot from, from, from his interviews. But Pease was, you know, very intelligent and he, and he would almost spar occasionally with reporters. But I asked him a pointed question about limited dimeback play uh, before I think the 2000, oh, 15, 16 season, I'm not sure exactly what year it was, but, but they played only 3% dime back or dime defense 
during his initial years with the Ravens after playing it a lot before. And, and uh, uh, his response was, well, you've, you, you saw our secondary last year. What did you want me to do kind of thing? Um, <laughs> Zach Orr had been okay, but, but the other, the other um, uh, point he made was Anthony Levine was, was that year showing up and playing with the linebackers. And he said, well, Anthony Levine's a linebacker. And, and, and he said, you know, a, uh, he's only a sub-package linebacker, but he's a linebacker. And, and it's, I, I didn't respond to that because, hey, that's not the format where you do it. You don't like verbally spar with these guys. Mm-hmm. But that's my, my thought is it's quacking like a duck if you're saying he's only a sub-package linebacker. Anyway, absolutely. absolutely. Long tangential story. Apologize for that. No, no, no. That was good intel. Uh, yeah, Dean Pease and the dying defense. I remember those days. <laughs> um, back to back to Pepe here. Uh, where were we? we? Were on goals, correct? Goals, yeah. So I think with his age, twenty four in in July, um, you want him to hit the ground running. And I do. I'm not. I don't think he's necessarily going to be a starter on every snap. But depending on the matchup. Um, I do, I do think, um, again, maybe that's you know twenty snaps a game. I don't know if you had a number in mind, but but you want him on the field, and and also if he can carve out a role in special teams, his skill set's not a a high weight speed specimen, athletic specimen that usually thrive on special teams. But I think he he's probably not going to be a gunner or a jammer, but he, he'll have uh, somewhere he can fit in. He'll be backup return guy and I think kick return coverage. I don't think he's necessarily a punt return coverage guy because he doesn't really have the – there are limitations. You have, you have a punter. You have five guys on the inside who have to be basically linebacker, tight end size, or bigger because mm-hmm. you, you need to be blocking. You have a personal protector that that role is already taken by Jefferson, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And then you have two outside guys who tend to be longer, uh, faster guys. It could be a Dillis Thomas or Miles Boykin, it could, but it can't really be a short guy. Mm-hmm. on the outside who's gunning so it's 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 limiting in terms of of where he can find work but as a kick returner you know he's a guy who could be l1 to r5 uh on on there in terms of of where he would line up uh kick, kick coverage guy that is and also you know he's probably the team's number two kick return guy uh if hundred i i think he would be the next guy up in, in those situations either that or, or one of the or running back one of the backup running backs so if duvernay this is another tangent, but uh, if Duvernay is taking on an even increased works workload on offense, um, how do you feel like he fits in as far as a returner? Legitimate question. I'd probably want to get him out of any kick return duties. And there you're talking about a, a running back is a reasonable guy to bring back, whether it's Tyler Beatty might be the guy. Of course, Tyler Beatty may have too big a role to really put him in there, but they, they'd use some, whoever is a, a backup returner or a wide receiver who doesn't have a backup, sorry, a running back or wide receiver doesn't have too big a role is, is the guy you want returning kicks, returning punts. I think you want a more dangerous player. And and there I, I would see Williams as being a kind of natural backup to Duvernay. And I don't have any problem with Duvernay having that role as well as his wide receiver role. I agree. I agree. I think he brings enough to the table um, as a punt returner. Teams are punting less, and teams are running kickoffs out of the end zone less. So that he, what he brings there is worth is worth the risk to me. All right. So let's, I've got a couple more goals. Uh, I want him to develop proficiency defending bunch formations, which we see a lot in this division, and particularly from Pittsburgh. Uh, but we also see it in some of the conference flows like Kansas City. Uh, there's a lot of pick and rub routes that are run in the NFL, and they are run, what do you know, with NFL-sized wide receivers uh, who, who have a way of getting in the way. 
and are, are, are pretty good at doing it. It's not like these concepts don't exist in college. They do. Uh, but with him playing more outside corner at Houston and you know, moving to the slot, it's something he's going to have to contend with more is how he avoids getting, getting rubbed off a route uh, really quickly. And I, thinking back to Tavon Young's rookie season, uh, one of the big plays was early in the season. He got tripped up by Weddle. It was actually Weddle's fault, but uh, uh, trying to cover uh, OBJ on the winning touchdown at uh, the game at the Giants. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it's the one where Jimmy got hurt in the first half, if I recall. Yeah, and and I think I want to say that Tavon got hurt on that play, that that, that might have ended his season or it might have shortened it. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I can't recall the exact outcome. Mm-hmm. Other than that, it was a touchdown. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, he, you know, instincts are in communication uh, against those bunch formations, as you said. That's uh, certainly a place that they're going to have uh, to spend a lot of time and get a lot of reps in with with the new players and the new defensive coordinator to figure out the best way and, and the rules for those situations. Uh, I've got another goal here. I want him to contribute to the pass rush and the run defense both. So those are things nickel corners have to do other than just cover. Uh, to do so, he probably needs to play bigger than his size as a downhill defender. Um, I think the thoughts are he fits into that and and, and can do it. But the, the quicker we start hearing comparisons to the other um, re- undersized Ravens nickels who played very well over the years, you know, Tavon Young and, and Webb and players like that, the better. So uh, looking forward to that. Sure. Yeah. I, I do think that's going to be, uh, so, uh, especially the run support. I think that's going to be somewhere where he makes his mark relatively early based off of what I've seen on, on his college team. All right. Other goals. Uh, that's all I had for goals. Uh, more for the, the the scenarios now. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead with a good year then. Well, first of all, he has to make the fifty three, um, and I don't think that's a hundred percent given. Maybe ninety five percent chance. But when you look at it, he is in direct competition with Washington, perhaps for the final cornerback job. I think they're probably going to carry six corners into the regular season, and. It may come down to those two. They're probably the two uh, lowest guys on the poll. Um, uh, but also just a good season would be to dress on game days for more than half of the game days. You don't have to put a specific number on it. Uh, he's probably, if he's not, doesn't have a huge role on special teams, His it could, it could really just depend on the matchups. So just sort of uh, nonspecific general goals um, as far as the good scenario for me. Okay. I had almost the exact same thing, literally almost the exact same thing. I'm going to read mine out just to, to, to show this, but gains the trust of the coaches with practice habits and quality camp preseason. That That's one maybe important additional thing. Makes good use of the year developmentally. Frequent game day activation. Again, I don't want to put a number on it. Six, 10, 12, whatever it is, 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 is good. Obviously, the more it is, it may be more based on injury than anything else. That he plays some as a rookie, despite the heated competition for, for slot corner snaps we've talked about. And he carves out a special teams role. So that's a, that's a relatively modest set of goals. I do think his position is in a lot less jeopardy than we may think. The NFL changed their rules recently to only allow, let's see, what is it now? Four-week requirement for being out on IR. But you can only have eight per year, which is the more significant thing. So the Ravens, you know, with their roster, and they certainly have accumulated some players in Urban and Mike Davis, who, who are handshake deals 
uh, waiting to happen. Uh, mm-hmm. Tony Jefferson's probably in the same spot uh, that that he'll probably be very likely that he's cut, uh, but it, but almost equally likely that he'll be back for the for the first game of the year uh, mm-hmm. because the Ravens can use that flexibility to to put a guy through to IR. And uh, you know Williams might be one of those guys that they move through to IR if they need him later in the season they activate him. Uh, and they'll find a reason why he's uh, moderately hurt because, hey, everybody goes through camp and they're a little hurt, right? Yeah. You know, you're going to have a little sprained ankle or something going on. Um, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, the way the, Ra- the Ravens manipulate the roster is, I mean, I don't follow every other team's, you know, as, as closely, but I follow other teams pretty closely, and I don't think any other team does it better than they do. Maybe New England might be the only one that could that could hold a candle to them. But that makes a lot of sense, and it depends how well he shows in camp and if they think that – if he's ready. If he's ready, I think they'd have him ready in week one. And if not, it's almost like uh, an insurance policy for the midseason when somebody else has a minor injury, but but they can do a little bit better. There you go. There you go. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's hear a great season from you. So a great season is he – um, just displays the uh, mirroring ability where they trust him against the shifty type of slot receivers because that's one specific function that they don't necessarily have a, a a corner that has completely solidified that role right now. And if he can do that, I think he would be the starting slot against specific teams um, Buffalo comes to mind as a mm-hmm. team that runs a lot of 10 and they have, um, they're going to have Jameson Crowder as one slot, uh, with, with Gabriel Davis on the outside, one side, Stefan Diggs on the outside. And then their return man, Isaiah McKenzie will be their other slot. So you're going to need essentially two slot receivers against Buffalo. Um, so that would be a team where I think his skill set would be very valuable to the Ravens. Um, and there are others as well. Just wanted to highlight them. Most of all, just uh, shows the ability to be a long-term solution as a starting slot cornerback. It is a very important position on the defense. I'd argue that it's more important than, um, you know, starting Mike at this point, Mm -hmm. in my view. So uh, if they can have, again, a rookie who comes in and shows that ability in year one, then you have him on a very team-friendly contract for the next three years. Of course, they have that that proven performance escalator, but still, if he's your starting slot, he's well worth that money. Oh, so yeah. that would be a great season. Yeah, I I, I agree. That's you've you've laid it out very well. To me, he for to be a great season, he wins the slot corner job coming out of camp, and you can talk about it being a matchup game, and and I think it's more of a matchup by offensive package. So my my requirement is that anytime the other team forces the nickel with three wide receivers, forces the reg, the standard nickel as opposed to the big nickel. The big, by the way, just to, as a aside here, big nickel is a is a huge anti twelve personnel uh, package. It's also you can use it in some eleven personnel when the when the receiver in the slot tends to be a really big guy, Kelvin Benjamin and guy, guys like that mm-hmm. who who teams try and play big, then it'd be great to have Kyle Hamilton lined up opposite him. But if the receiver is normal size uh, or, or fun size, then, you know, I want to, <laughs> I want to have Demarion Williams uh, lined up opposite him. If Demarion Williams is having a great year and uh, hopefully doesn't lose. He, he's not a player who at his age uh, can afford to lose any time to injuries. So uh, he needs to, he needs to get the ground running as, as you said, in 2023. And I think that if, 
if he has at least an adequate year in coverage and we have the hope of progression in 2023 based on what we've seen, I, I think that would be a great year. Absolutely. Absolutely agree. So the Ravens have uh, sometimes these players who were a little bit surprised that they choose where they choose. They, I mean, at least anecdotally have a pretty good track record of hitting on those guys. Mm-hmm. Right. Voss, absolutely outstanding talking football. With you. This is a very dense conversation, even though you're extremely terse as a commentator. I, I you know, we, we have an opportunity to talk for almost an hour here about two players who are kind of on the fringe of the Ravens roster in some way, both of them are going to make it in my opinion, but, mm-hmm. but they're, but they're both guys who who may or may not be activated every single game. And, and they still get a very good solid hour of discussion. Uh, Vas Ricos, a, a member of the Baltimore beatdown, but t- tell, tell folks where they can talk football with you. Yes. Yeah, so I'm co-managing editor at Baltimore beatdown. You can also find me on Twitter at Vasilis beatdown, V A S I L I S beatdown. Been having some fun with the Twitter spaces, uh, on a semi-weekly basis and, uh, really just enjoy talking, talking football, uh, 12 months a year, 365 days, Ravens football. All right. Outstanding. Voss, one of the real friends of the show. Always, always happy to have him on. Always one of the first guys I go to with a, with a new series. Other folks out there, if you'd like to be on a film study short, hit me up, DM on Twitter. They're always open, and I want to hear from you. I've had some great new ideas for shows come out over the course of the last month, and I'm looking for material in July. There's an opportunity. There's an opening at the mic, and I'd like to like it to be yours. Uh, I'll get back to you very quickly, I promise, and uh, and uh, looking always to, to meet new friends uh, via Twitter and via other social media platforms who want to talk Ravens football. Voss, thanks again for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.